Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Another day, another episode centered around promotions, but we also have a heat sheet to break down from the month of August because there were so many hitters that performed on a high level. Of course, there's going to be some crossover from guys performing at a high level and guys getting promoted. So we'll be talking about all of that, but it's amazing, Jack. I feel like every time we put out an episode of prospect promotions, here we are a few days later with more promotions to talk about. Most notably, Jackson Holiday getting the bump up to AAA where he is 19 years old and he's going to be playing against guys who are four or five, six years older than him. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I am kind of sick of promotions though. So it's not as fun for me, but it can be very fun for you. So I'm glad that you're happy. Um, why do we need to No, I like, this is really exciting to see a guy like Jackson holiday. This is I don't want to say unprecedented because we're watching a 17 year old in double A right now. And Ethan Salas. So like it, it is, it is precedented by a couple of weeks. Um, but like draft guys getting up to double A and succeeding in double A at this point and the ones that dominated high A. And we had this conversation a little bit on the just baseball show. We didn't get deep into it. And I do want to get into it off the top. Um, not only are college guys getting thrusted into double A right away, but you've got high school draftees that are making their way off the complex so quickly when like two years ago, this didn't happen. We're in a really good spot for prospects right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was talking about it with a a buddy of mine that I played high school ball with that was visiting in in town. And we were just talking about just the, the guys that are draft prospects nowadays versus the guys that, you know, we faced in South Florida who were getting looks who had, you know, droves of scouts there to see them. It's just a different beast. And, and that's, Eight, nine years ago, we're talking about how much this game has changed and, you know, how much the the talent has really shined through. I mean, guys touching 95, 96, you know, pretty frequently now in high school. I mean, those were one offs. Uh, Even in South Florida, there was very few guys that were doing that. I mean, even Tuki Toussaint, when we faced him, like that was one of the most hyped up prospects in the entire area. Went in the first round. You know, he was sitting two to four. Like that's that's nothing nowadays. Noble Meyer was was sitting higher than that from a funkier arm slot with a nastier, you know, with nastier stuff. Like it's crazy to see. So these high school hitters on the summer circuit, they're already being put through the ringer uh, on a different level and, you know, are already seeing professional caliber pitching consistently and more consistently than guys did prior. And then college guys forget it. I mean, everybody in college is, is sitting in the low nineties with a good breaking ball. And that prepares you. For minor league baseball. So I wonder if it's going to make scouting almost a little bit easier because I think it's it, good. you have this this contention from really good pitchers, really good hitters. Cream rises to the top. Of course, scouting is always going to be hard, but I think draft scouting and, and amateur scouting in general should be a little bit easier when all these guys are this good, because at least on the front end, you shouldn't miss the standouts like it, it shouldn't be too hard because it's very hard to stand out nowadays. It is really hard to stand out. I The way I think scouting gets easier, and this is galaxy brain type shit for me, is I do think that you need to place more stock in individual matchups at lower levels. And I think that, you know, when a guy goes to Jupiter, when a guy plays in the area code games, when he matches up with another first round talent, how does he look, particularly on a hitter side? Because in a vacuum, there are a lot of pitchers that throw double A caliber pitches before they even get into professional baseball. Sure. Like yeah. Paul Skeens, 
you know, if I'm if I'm scouting an SEC hitter, how did he do against Skeens? Because Skeens' repertoire is already major league caliber at that For point. Sure. You're seeing a fastball at 100. You're seeing a plus-plus slider. You're seeing a plus-plus changeup on occasion. It, like ACC guys, how did you do against Rhett Lauder? Yeah. That is a double-A pitcher right now. So I think the scouting job gets easier on the hitter perspective where, hey, did he look super overmatched by Skeens? Did he look super overmatched by Louder? If the answer is no, they can probably survive high A right now. Yeah. Well, and to build off of that, those used to be more like one-off matchups. Like I'm sure scouts were really excited for the the big the big pitching prospect against the big hitting prospect. And you know, I remember reading some old perfect game write-ups uh, like, oh, this guy had comfortable ABs against Andrew Miller. And then that's all you can really look at. You don't, you don't get the consistent challenge for these hitters. But now there's so many different guys that all are, are that barometer for you to see where this hitter is at. So it's, it's been really cool. And I think Walker Jenkins is a perfect example of that. I watched and I told you going into the draft. I, I mean, Max Clark looks looks great as well and is, is a special athlete. But I told you Walker for me was one of the safest high school bats. And we're going to talk about him because he's actually putting up great numbers and, uh, you know, in low A yeah. because I watched him against quality, quality arms against quality stuff, consistently putting good swings on balls and, and the takes were easy. The at bats were comfortable and you can just elevate your confidence when the swing looks good. The approach looks good. And now I have 50, 60, 70 at bats to look through against consistently good competition that helps so much more. And that's why I don't really care about the high school stats. Like, of course, it's nice to see a guy hit 700 or whatever it is that some of these guys do in high school. But to me, it's it's those 50 at bats or 30, even 30 at bats that I can get against consistently good pitching. And I think that shows you somebody like Walker Jenkins. He's prepared, man, and he's ready to go. And he's been absolutely awesome. Doesn't quite crack the August heat sheet. Uh, do you want to start with the heat sheet and then go into these uh, these promotions on the second half, or or how do you want to go in into into it? Yeah, we we can start with the heat sheet and end with the promotions because the promotions are like huge names that we talk about a lot. Um, I I just went to Tennessee's baseball roster because there was a certain guy that jumped out to me. Um, Seth Halverson was a seventh round pick this year by the Rockies, and he was in the Tennessee bullpen. And Halverson, okay, seventh round pick, red shirt junior. And just tying a bow on this conversation because, like, yes, you measure up against Skeens, Louder, Dolander, and, you know, with Walker Jenkins, like you mentioned, you measure up against all those area code guys or, you know, in the All American, like U18 World Cup, whatever he plays in, you see him see premier pitching. Seth Halverson was not the closer for that team. He was like the seventh inning guy at Tennessee, seventh round pick. Yeah. Halverson is 96 at 2,500. Yeah. That's a big league fastball, man. Yeah. How do you fare against a, a billion guys in all these power conferences that are throwing 96 at 2,500? It, it's unbelievable. I, and that that's what really has to make you feel confident with, with the track record and in, in college stats. That's something I'm looking at. Definitely. If you're performing in the SEC, hard to pass on you. Uh, but Walker Jenkins, he doesn't yeah. make the, the heat sheet because you know, he was playing at the at the complex through August and then through the end of August and then into early September has been in low A. And this dude in low A, I just wanted to mention him before we get into the heat sheet. Seven games. He went 0 for 4 in the first game. But since then, he is 14 for 28 with a home run, two doubles and a triple and only one strikeout. So far at the low A level, I know it's only seven games. This dude slashing 438, 455, 656 with one strikeout. That is absurd. Like, this is an 18-year-old who was just drafted, and he's in full season ball, making a mockery of the competition. After the first game where he goes hitless, he's in a multi-hit game in every single contest, including a pair of of three hit games. This guy's going to be special, man. I, this is one of my, I kept saying it like I couldn't feel more confident in a high school bat than I have with, with Walker Jenkins. And I mean, the results have been unbelievable. He's going to be the top prospect in baseball at some point. Cause I think that there are going to be so many people that graduate before him, like all these college guys in this class are going to graduate before him. I think it's going to come down 
to Walker Jenkins and Ethan Salas. But at this rate, Salas is going to be the opening day catcher for the Padres next year at 18 years old. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, if if Salas graduates before Walker Jenkins, I think that Walker Jenkins is the number one prospect in the game. Because, dude, like, it's flawless what we're seeing right now. You mentioned the 0 for 4 day. The thing that, like, stands out to me, man, one punch out in 33 plate appearances. Are you serious? Yeah, that's it's just it's just crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. For a guy that big with that much juice to punch out once at the highest level of baseball he's ever seen in 33 plate appearances. Yep. Yep. That that's that's perennial all-star type shit at 18 and, years and old. And playing center field and we'll see if he sticks, but he's moving pretty well. I I couldn't be more excited about the dude and and he's going to be a guy that I agree. I, I think we're going to see him very high up very soon. He already is quite high up. Let's talk about the the heat sheet here and, and some of these guys that have been performing. I think we, we got to start with Thomas Ajayi, who was traded over from the Rangers to the Cardinals in that Jordan Montgomery deal. And Sajazi's awesome because he's just he's just a grinder. I, I love the the look that he has. It's the no batting gloves. It's just the he looks like he's just kind of playing fungo and but he hits the ball hard. And what's interesting is. I'm going to talk about him as, as a prospect in a, in a moment because there are some yellow flags in terms of you know why he's not a top 100 guy, so to speak. But let's just talk about the August real quick. 352, 426, 714 slash line. That'll play. Uh, 11% walk rate, 24% K rate, of course, hits for the cycle in that month. Also hits nine home runs, uh, eight other extra base hits. So you got a total of 17 extra base hits. That's five doubles and three triples. He also stole a pair of bases. This dude has just been on another level since the trade. I mean, he was raking before, but yeah. since the trade, it's just been on a different level. Every time I open Twitter, it's Thomas Sejazi's on cycle watch. And I know that he actually cycled one day, but I feel like this guy's on cycle watch every night. And it was comical the amount of times that I would like pull up Twitter at like 11 p.m. for my last late night scroll. And I just see somebody retweeted the Springfield Cardinals like Thomas and Jay-Z. Are you serious? Like, dude, this is an every night thing. And he was standing on his head this week or this month. But like you mentioned, man, like he was hitting 313 before the trade. This guy is just putting together one of the better years in all the minor league baseball this year. Yep. And he's fun. He plays all over. We talked about it when the trade went down. Right? Oh, I, I love this. And TK yeah. Roby came out and looked awesome in, in his Great. first couple outings back. And by the way, we'll talk more about it. I just want to shout out Jack Leiter, <clears throat> excuse yes. me, who's been awesome since coming off the development list, since they put him in what was, I think, the highest pressure situation imaginable. He throws a, a bullpen at the Texas Rangers stadium with the whole front office watching, including Mike Maddox, like, if anyone can respond well to that, it's it's Jack Leiter, and he's been dynamite. Touched 99 last outing, 61 pitches, 42 strikes. We'll talk more about Jack, but I just wanted to put that on the radar. Of course, I'm a Jack Leiter fan, and, and it's awesome to see him performing. But so, so Jay-Z, I mean, there's there's a couple red flags, and or yellow flags, I would say, that, that keep him out of like the top 100 consideration. One is the chase rate, and, and that's something he's an aggressive hitter. But he's kind of cut from that same cloth to me of this is a dude with above average bats of ball skills. Uh, it's it's not plus, but it's above average. And I think he feels like he can get to everything and he has. So it, it might be one of those things where it's just, hey, I'm I'm performing. I'm, I'm going to swing a lot. He has cut the chase rate down a little bit as the season's progressed. So that's something to monitor. He gets into his power really well because he hits the ball in the air. Only a 35 percent ground ball rate and also he he just develop he just generates backspin you can just see it off of the bat so he's always going to overperform the exit velocities 102.5 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velocity it's a it's a tick above average but i think he's going to overperform that so i do think that there's an above average power projection here and you're seeing that with 24 homers and in the texas league i am interested to see in different environments you know if if the power translates in games quite as much i think he might be more of a 15 ish home run guy maybe he can get up to 20 i mean there's still more power maybe in there to unlock but again it's just it's hard to deny the results and it's not like this guy has slowed down if anything he's kicked things into another gear 
I would love to see him in triple a little bit this year and, and, and just get a taste there where, you know, a little bit more of a raw approach could get exposed or we could just see that, Hey, this guy just knows how to hit and he can, he can circumvent it. And if it is the latter, if this guy just knows how to hit, it feels like he's bigly ready next year. And that creates a unique situation for St. Louis because you still have several years of control of Tommy Edmond, who I think is a very valuable piece who can get you starting pitching, which is what we know the St. Louis Cardinals need. And if this guy is ready to play second base with win it short, that pushes Gorman to the DH spot. And I think Gorman can really blossom as a DH. Like he's a fine second baseman. Donovan, you know, like Donovan's just kind of a utility guy. Donovan, you know, super utility. Yeah. Like injury obviously cut his season short. They have a gluttony of options in the yeah. middle infield, in the infield in general. So go move some of that for starting pitching. Yeah. So Jay-Z, if he does succeed in triple and looks like a part of your future, Time to move Edmund. And I think Sajazi can make John Mozela comfortable in moving a Tommy Edmund. I like Sajazi in a Brendan Donovan type role. Like, I, I think he's a really interesting super utility type, too, where it's just he can produce and, and defend in so many different spots. And with how much control Donovan has, if he looks decent out of the injury, I think Donovan has more draft stock than Edmund. Tra- trade value. Or trade value. Yeah. yeah. We're talking draft, draft a lot here. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And that was a guy that they did not want to move. So, so Jay-Z's putting them in a comfortable spot here to be able to to make a, some some good decisions, and especially with Mason Wynn being up there as well, as you mentioned. Another guy that I think played a part in the reason why the, the Rays were willing to make a move here at the deadline uh, to, to part with a Kyle Manzardo is, is Junior Caminero, as well as Austin Shenton. We're going to talk about both of these guys who had absolutely bonkers August and just really have had bonkers seasons as, as a whole. But Caminero has just kicked things into a different gear. And I need to see this guy in Durham ASAP. We, it's funny. We, we complain about how many promotions we have to keep up with, but then we're also pounding the table for promotions. Caminero yeah. in the month of August, 366, 417, 710 slash line. What stands out the most to me, besides the 1127 OPS, 13% K rate, which is just wild. Like to, to hit for the power that he is hitting for with that K rate being that low is absolutely amazing. Power to all fields hits the living crap out of the ball. And we've continued to talk about that. I mean, this guy hits the ball as hard as anybody has. Uh, I, 110 plus mile per hour. I think it was 35 batted balls at that at that threshold. Like that's in the top five in terms of of MLB, let alone the minor leagues. Caminero to me, and I know there's like some questions defensively. I think he's better than he gets credit for at third base. To me, I think he's closer to number one than number three. And I'm not saying he's number one. That's the guy who we're going to talk about who just got promoted to AAA as a 19 year old. But I really do believe that Junior Caminero is closer to number one than number three in terms of the prospect list. I, I think the bat is that special. Yeah. Um, is he the minor league hitter of the year? I mean, holiday like is, wow. It's tough because I, I know Colt Keith has been a nominee for a long time. Keith looks like he's one of the favorites for minor league hitter of the year, but holiday it's, it's impossible to argue with what he's done. But then you look at junior Caminero who's hitting three thirty two as a newly turned 20-year-old with the majority of the year spent in double-A, and oh, by the way, he's probably going to finish with 30 pumps and 100 yep. driven in. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. I can't wait to deliberate on that with you because it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be Tyreek a really... going to be WRC+. Caminero's yeah. going to have a 184, and Holiday's going to have a 185, and we're going to be like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> we're just going to be lazy and just just lean on that. Uh, it, yeah. It's unbelievable. It, it, and Caminero hit a 111-mile-an-hour home run the other day. He had a pair of home runs. And this is in September, so this doesn't even count towards the August stats. pair of home runs into September. Uh, get this guy to Durham. I, I want to see him up there, but just turned 20. Special, special bat. Feels like he could be on the top prospects of the month every single month. You mentioned Colt Keith. Let's talk Colt Keith because, I mean, this is a guy that just had another great month. He had a little bit of a, I think a little bit of a slowdown at in, in July, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it, it's a relative term with him because he's really been consistent all year long. And the Tigers prospect just, again, just had a, a wonderful August 327, 387, 673 in AAA. It's a 1,061 OPS, seven home runs, a total of 19 extra base hits, 
Another guy that just doesn't strike out 15% walk rate or sorry, 15% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate, and just consistently hitting the ball in the air. Keith, I think is pretty much shown that he's big league ready. I, after going through a little bit of that blip and triple and then going nuclear again, like this guy's ready to go. I, I don't need to see much else. I think in, in, in AAA at this point, I need to see six more games of Colt Keith. I just need to make sure that he's really this guy for six games. <laughs> they just happen to be in Indianapolis. <laughs> and I just need to see it. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that place, listen, it's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. Can he survive at a pitcher-friendly ballpark? Because Comerica is a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So, yeah, I just need I need six more games of validation, and then he can go up. He can do whatever he wants. He never has to play another minor league game again. So, yeah. um, And no selfish bias there whatsoever. I think you're going to get that because there was there was an oversight when we were talking about uh, the, the September call-ups. Keith doesn't have to be added to the 40 man until next year because he was a high school draftee in 2020. They may, they may just wait. Um, So because high school guys get an extra year uh, until they have to be added there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. I think you're going to get Colt Keith and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, watching those games with you on the call and and hearing some of your takeaways there when we, we get back on the mic here spilling into September last 15 games for Keith, he's rolling in, to potentially Indianapolis hitting 400, 472, 767 with five home runs, 10 walks, seven strikeouts. So again, another guy that hasn't really slowed down in the early going of September. I realized we we didn't group Shenton in with Caminero. Austin Shenton with the Rays. <laughs> this guy has not stopped hitting the entire season. On the over the course of the season, 996 OPS, setting 303. But you pull through August. I mean, it, it's just more of the same from this guy. It's been unbelievable to see. He was banged up last year. And that really was, I think, what what took the season away from him because we've liked him for a while. That's been a guy I've talked about for a while. Month of August, 27 games, 299, 395, 639 slash nine. That's a 1034 OPS. He is punching out 34% K rate in that month, but spells that with a 14% walk rate. And just hits the crap out of the ball. He's just consistently hitting for power to all fields. The question is, where is he going to play defensively long term? Does it look more like first base? Uh, I think it probably does look more like first base. But I think that the Rays genuinely believe in this guy and think he can be an, a, a contributor for them. And again, this is part of the reason why I think they were OK with moving a Kyle Manzardo. Xavier Isaac is part of that reason as well. But Shenton has been awesome. You think a Ronda and his like 350 batting average is part of that too? Yes. Like, dude, they have so much traffic at the corners. So much. How do you do this? I don't know. And like, they don't need to really get better anywhere. Like, they're just hurt. So just get healthy and you're the best team in baseball. They they are so frustratingly awesome. And like, that in turn has made them one of my favorite teams to watch. But I mean, this guy is going to be a 300, 400, possibly 600 slash line guy this year. He's hitting 303, 407, 590 across tr- double and triple A. And I, I was expecting maybe a, a minor step back, but he was dealing with the tack ball, hit 300, OPS 980. He goes up, he's dealing with the level away from big league ball, sitting 300, slugging 620. He is, he's incredible, man. Like, yeah. It's probably not going to be with Tampa. He's going to get a big league shot next year, and he's going to make the Tampa Bay Rays better with the return. I, I'm, I'm interested. They're going to have to find a rule five spot or find a 40 man spot for him because that'd be the one one pick in the rule five. I mean, he, that guy's good as gone. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. But I agree. He's going to be a big league contributor for somebody next year. Yohani Morales from the Nationals. So we talked about how they were creative in, in, in terms of just putting a lot of money up front and getting a lot of top end talent at the top. And then, you know, just trying to figure it out money wise on the back end. And that allowed them to get somebody that fell into their lap and Johanny Morales uh, outside of the first round, which is pretty remarkable. And Morales was expected by most to, to go in the first round and out of the university of Miami, big time power. He is initially assigned to low a has since been promoted to high a, so we can knock out two birds with one stone here. He was recently promoted to high a, but yeah. in the month of August, 27 games, slash 375, 450, 554. That's a 1,003 OPS. Did not hit a home run, which is interesting. But 14 doubles and three triples. 
many balls that were hit hard that would have been you know, pretty close to gone in a lot of stadiums, but just for whatever reason, they can get out. And it, it's been to all fields. He's been going the other way with authority. I still have my concerns around Morales and, and the hit tool. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he performs against more challenging competition. It's exciting to see him performing at low A, uh, but I, I do want to see a little bit more against more challenging competition. So it should be interesting to, to monitor, but so far so good for Morales. Yeah. If he got up to Harrisburg with Cruz, I would have more of a sense of validation regarding yeah. Johanny Morales. Yeah. But the fact that he OPS over a thousand with no homers is really impressive and, yeah. and like in a backwards way, because I would love to see the homers, but dude, a 14 double month is really, really good. So yeah. I, I, I'm willing to take that. And unfortunately, like we can't, you know, force him ourselves to double a, we just need to, you know, react to what's in front of us. And he was given, I don't like, these wouldn't be conservative assignments two years ago, but now yeah. we're viewing this as conservative assignments. So it's, uh, yeah, it's I mean, funny. Dude, it's dude, it's funny that we're like, doing? yeah, it's funny that we're like, Oh my gosh, why is he only in low and then high a right now as, as a college guy with, with swing and miss concerns. But I will say too, you got 12 games in, in high a so far that spills over into September, but in the end of August and so far again, the, the power hasn't totally been there, but 283, 400, 413 slash on in high A, most importantly, 13% walk rate, 14.5% K rate. So that's extremely encouraging. I'm not concerned about a 6'4, 220 yo yo Morales tapping into more power in a little bit. I'd rather him find the backside doubles, as you mentioned, as he's been, and, and just be impressive with the ability to just consistently hit the ball. And then you know the power is going to come in. So it's it's so far so good for Morales, but again, I'm I'm not getting too ahead of myself here because I want I I want to see him do it in Double A right now. I think he's kind of seeing a lot just off of the conversation we had. ACC kid, a lot of the arms he's seeing are synonymous with what he saw in the ACC, just maybe a little bit more consistent. Next up, Justice Bigby. We had Bigby on. Uh, he's actually going to be on in the next episode. So look out for the interview with the Tigers prospect, Justice Bigby, another dude that came out of nowhere and has just hit all year long. It's not just that he's one of the best hitters of August. He's just been one of the best hitters all year long. Really enjoyed my conversation with him. And again, look out for that interview. That'll be out tomorrow. Um, that'll be on, on Wednesday. Uh, but he, he's just been awesome, man. 24 years old, 19th round pick. He talks about it in the episode, so I don't have to go too deep into it. But some of the things that he really was able to figure out and unlock this year that have put him on just a different trajectory and now has just helped him perform at a ridiculous clip, both in high A and in double A. He got even better in double A. And so far, you know, in the month of August or not so far, but in the month of August in double A, 346, 398, 542 slash line. That's a 940 OPS. 13.5% K rate, 8.5% walk rate, six home runs. The funniest thing, Jack, is that that's pretty much below. I think that's a tick below his season I was, numbers. I was going to say July was better. Like if you 61 games in double A Erie so far this year, this guy's hitting 365. 345 was a down month for him. Did you bring up, quick question, did you bring up the Kerry Carpenter comparison? I did. I did. I, I, I just mentioned that like also a 19th rounder, you know, also had um, the similar kind of breakout and trajectory. And uh, he, he didn't, he didn't get into it too much, but he, he smiled and he said like, it's cool seeing, you know, guys that were you know, maybe not expected by a ton of people to, to do what, what we're doing, do it ahead of you. And it, you know, it gives you that, that confidence. And he kind of talked about finishing the year strong last year, actually for just two weeks was that yeah. confidence boost that he needed. But it is funny, the comparisons between him and Kerry. It's funny because I just watched Kerry Carpenter on MLB Network uh, earlier this morning. The clip was out earlier this morning. I don't know if he was on this morning or, or on yesterday, but Carpenter, like, he didn't say it, but it kind of felt like this. It's, hey, you're a great story until you mash for a month at the major league level. And it's like, okay, now you're a big part of their future. So Justice Bigby is approaching, okay, now you're just a big part of our future. Yep. As opposed yep. to, oh, look at this great story of a guy that was slept on and, and now he's dominating. Like, no, 
This guy's a future Detroit yeah, Tiger. I a hundred percent. And that's why I think we're going to see him potentially in the Arizona fall league. Definitely a candidate to go out there. I would be uh, surprised if he wasn't out there. And uh, a guy that's been working hard at the defense in both corners, move from the first base to to the outfield. And I mean, this bat plays it's power to all fields and almost all of his home runs the other way. Cause he's an oppo guy would be gone at Comerica. So that says a lot. I mean, this, this is a guy that generates carry and, and 90th percentile of 105 that will play drafts guy, Matt Shaw. Uh, I mean, it's just silly. This is another dude. We talk about Kyle Teal, who we're going to talk about in the promotion side of things. Yeah. Um, and Matt Shaw recently promoted a double A. I have no idea how Matt Shaw fell to where he did, but that was kind of expected. I'll really rant about Kyle Teal, but Matt Shaw, Chicago Cubs, they got to be happy to get him. They continue to ace drafts 22 mm-hmm. games in August. 372, 404, 617 slash line. It's a 1021 OPS, four home runs, 13% K rate. Um, through that month as well, 90% zone contact and a 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 miles an hour. It's a small sample size for those two metrics, but I don't care because those are both absurd. Uh, this guy's got a scary blend of power and feel to hit. There's a reason why right out of the draft, he was a top 100 prospect for us. I mean, how often are mid round middle first round draft picks top 75 prospects that shows you where we ha- would have had him on our imaginary big board similar to Kyle Teal both of these guys top 100 prospects who I would have taken in the top 10 that's not hindsight because again they were on our top 100 list I, I it's been amazing Matt Shaw's even exceeded my expectations and I loved him going into the draft that's it in 400 like we were expecting maybe 300 with a couple of pumps and that would have been enough to validate his presence on the top 100. He's hitting 400 and he's got what is this five plus four is nine plus six is 15, 15 extra base hits in his first 28 pro games. Okay. And it just looks my arm. It just looks good too. Like I hate, I hate eye test. I hate that word, but like, you know, in terms of just, I'm looking at a guy's swing, I'm looking at the comfort of his takes and things like that. Like he just, he just passes that with flying colors. A guy that I feel like he's fallen off a radar. It doesn't help when you play in Oakland. But I mean, this was a first round pick. And all of a sudden, he's looking like a first round pick. Max Muncy and the other Max Muncy, the shortstop one in Oakland. Unbelievable August. And I'm really excited. I I just I love watching first round picks turn the corner. It's just it's just an awesome thing to see. That's why I'm so excited to talk about Jack Leiter later in the week. And that's why I'm excited to talk about Max Muncy here. 25 games in August where it, this is somebody that when he got promoted to double A, I'll be honest. I'm like, uh Oh, this could be where people really start to sound the alarms because he might get blown up out here. There was some whiff concerns. He was definitely striking out a bunch in the past. He has cut that down. And in the month of August, 356, 437, 548 slash line, 985 OPS, Strikeout rate at 24%, but a lot of the underlying metrics, I think, point towards him actually cutting that K rate even further. 84% zone contact, 25% chase rate in that span. I mean, it's been fun to watch, man. Three home runs, 14 extra base hits in that month, 37 hits in 25 games. He's got above average pop. Now that the the hit tool is starting to shine through, the approach is getting better. He could be a fun everyday shortstop who can swing it. You mentioned the worry when that guy jumped up to double A. It's like, oh, he wasn't even that good in high A. Like, mm-hmm. let's make sure that, you know, he doesn't get blown up. He had a 700 OPS in 114 high A games. He's OPSing 804 in 42 double A games. That would have been off my bingo card entirely that his OPS I'm, jumped 100 points from high A to double. That's utterly insane. So I'm going to be fully honest here. Have not watched much Max Muncy this year. Kind of slipped off my radar a little bit. I'm going to do a dive because there has to be a tangible difference in his swing. He had to make a change because Jack first 50 games of the year, you just highlighted it 651 OPS in the first 50 games of the year, but also an in zone whiff rate of 32%. So in that span, 68% zone contact, that's atrocious. And now he's been awesome. So he left high a this year after 72 games hitting 255 with an OBP under 330 and a slug under 400. So like that promotion was almost head scratching. It was, why is this happening? Like, why is this 710 OPS guy that's 20 years old getting the bump? 
Maybe I better coaches. And maybe, maybe. They, they maybe they had some some hitting guys that they wanted him to work with there. I mean, the, the difference in data, like forget the numbers, the data is crazy because you could say, oh, it's a, a better league to hit. And sure. If we're talking about 60, the numbers, let's go to different numbers. Yeah, like 68 percent zone contact. That is a good point. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, but <laughs> let's go to the numbers that aren't environmentally based. How about that one? Um, the 65 games after that. We're talking about 83 percent zone contact. We're talking about a K rate that's dropped from 30 something percent to 22 percent. Like I. I'm doing a thread on this. If you're listening to this, look out for a thread later. I'm I'm absolutely fascinated. Otherwise, I'm going to do the whole episode trying to unpack Max Muncy. Definitely I one have, of the best prospects of the month. And one of the most, I'd say the most surprising guy on this list has to be. I have heard excellent things about the Lansing Lugnuts. I don't know what the coaching staff is like there. I do know that they have one of the best broadcast tandems in all of minor league baseball in Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who got a well-deserved opportunity with Oakland last year. And Adam Jackson, who just started uh, football season, his voice is Central Michigan. I know Jesse has been listening to the pod recently. So Jesse, if you have any intel on Max Muncy, please shoot me a text and let me know what's going on in regards to Mac, Max Muncy, because that may enhance Aram's threat. Yes, please. I would love that. Also, I I love how many it's partly because of you. And then I think partly because we're talking about their profession consistently. But I love how many minor league broadcasters tune in uh, from time to time oh. to, to the show. I, I was talking about it and it's something I want to do. Uh, and we'll, we'll try to figure it out. I, I think at the end of the season, I know basically America's broadcaster America, series. Off-season broadcaster series. Yes, but before that, a survey. I want to. I want to survey broadcasters from different leagues and and you know just see what they thought. And you know who was the most impressive player you saw? Who was the most impressive pitcher you saw? Like and and come up with some questions for for broadcasters. But yes, also an off-season broadcaster series. Talk to some of your buddies out there. Um, last but not least, unless there's somebody else that we want to mention on the heat sheet side of things, Harry Ford. This guy's really starting to, to to settle in on a different level and probably is ready for a different level of competition. 24 games in August, 301, 444, 602 slash line. It's a 1047 OPS, 19% walk rate, 22% K rate, five homers and 17 extra base hits. He, this guy runs a chase rate of, of 17, 18%, which is yeah. silly. Uh, he's never going to chase. He's a very, very solid hitter. Um, but the bat to ball has been even more impressive of late. The power has been a little bit more impressive of late. And I think we're seeing this guy start to really blossom. Aram, we're not moving off the heat sheet. One more. One more. Lazaro Montes, man. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Lazaro Montes, 27 games in low A off the complex. Oh, by the way, this guy OPS just over a thousand at the complex. 27 games with Loe Modesto. He's a nut right now. He's a Modesto nut. Um, 318, 430, 579. That's a 1,009 OPS. Eight doubles, a triple, six pumps, 25 driven in in 27 games. Oh, by the way, he's not striking out at an egregious clip. Yeah. that That's the part that is really standing out to me. Is he top 100? Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, that, so here, let, 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 me, let me start with Mariners this. prospects. Sorry. Mariners yeah, prospects. Harry Ford and Lazaro Montes. Yeah. Harry's been awesome. Really. I hope we see him for double A for a series or two at, yeah. at the end of the season here. Uh, Montes, like the power is absolutely silly. We've talked about that. The approach is what really stands out to me. He's going to whiff. He's going to swing and miss. It is going. That's why. Can we please pump the brakes? I know he's 18 and he can continue to get better with the swing and miss. Please pump the brakes on the Jordan stuff. Like, it's just like, please. I I get that they look similar because they're six. I think that was foolish. Yeah. No, no, but I've I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it. I've seen it everywhere. Like, and I get it. It it looks like it because it's a six, four behemoth of a man uh, with, with a similar kind of setup, but this the hit tool is not going to be there like a Jordan. That said, I've been really impressed with the way he's been able to hedge the whiff. As you mentioned, like strikeout rates, not egregious and low a hasn't been egregious because he's running a very low chase rate and the low 20% that keeps dropping and it might continue to get better. And the contact rates have improved. So if he's a fringy hitter with a great approach and freakish power, this guy's going to be a problem. Oh, by the way, He's really good left on left too. 
So that is where the Jordan similarities may, may spill in. But this guy's crushes left on left. He's right on his way to top 100. Of course, when you don't have a position, it, you got to really mash. But I'm a hypocrite if I'm putting Xavier Isaac on there and not Montes after what he's starting to do. Yep. I love him, man. Him and Jan Kiel. Those are my two guys. Jan Kiel. That's an, that's an adventure. That's the opposite in terms of probably better feel to hit than people think. Chase rates off the charts. <laughs> uh, if you could combine Montes and Jan Kiel, then I think you get Jordan. Then it's baby Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And then you get Jordan. So there you go. But let's jump into promotions here. Uh, we'll start with Jackson Holiday. <laughs> I mean, sure. the 19 year old who's in triple A. Uh, the numbers on the season for this Orioles prospect 333, 451, 517. That's ridiculous. 10 home runs. He's got 45 extra base hits, 20% K rate, 17% walk rate. Talk about a ridiculously advanced approach. I mean, 20% chase rate is unbelievable. Good field to hit, sprays the ball all over. This guy has some of the best hands I've seen. I mean, even when his body's out in front, he can still just flick his hands and and slap a ball the other way. The barrel adjustability is so impressive. <laughs> it's just insane to see this guy in AAA. Yes. Um, we did this on the Just Baseball show. For the sake of the call-up crowd, I want to do it again. And the, these are all the names on the active roster for the Norfolk Tides, the AAA affiliate for the Orioles. And obviously the Orioles are one of the most exciting young teams in all of baseball. And they're grabbing guys left and right. Like Jordan Westberg is a Baltimore Oriole. Gunner, Baltimore Oriole. You've got a ton of those guys that are already up there. But active roster in Norfolk now. Jackson Holiday, Kobe Mayo, who's a top 20 prospect. Yeah. Connor Norby, who's a top 100 guy. Joey Ortiz, who's a top 100 guy. Colton Kowser, who's a top 40 guy. Yeah, graduated, but top 40 guy. You also forgot, did you mention Heston Kerstad, who's a top 20 guy? To get to him. Yeah. Heston Kerstad, top 20 guy. Um, you've got Kyle Stowers on this team. You've got Daz Cameron on this team right now. And then you jump to the hill. Brian Baker is ra- is ramping back up. Tyler Wells is ramping back up. Cade Povich is on this team. Cade Povich is a top Cade Povich is a top 150 prospect for me. Like, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Means is on a rehab and Chase McDermott is on this team as well. So, dude, this is like, who were we talking about last year? The Eugene Emeralds at the start of the year? Like, <laughs> yeah, they had they, a billion prospects. Yeah, they had a zillion. And then with the Giants, it was just like comical. Um, but this is on a different level because those were all lower level guys that people were excited about. And like some of them have not really progressed that great uh, yep. with, with this team. It's a bunch of triple A guys with a track record. And, and a lot of them will probably be very good big leaguers. Like this might be the best in terms of prospect intrigue and just maybe talent with, with the big leaguers you factor into. This might be the best minor league team of all time. I, I got a ping from our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein. who's like, I heard you say this on the just baseball show. I think you need to write something on this. Like, is this actually like the best <laughs> minor league team of all time? And I mean, it, it might be Jackson makes it just so much more fascinating because he's the number one prospect in baseball. Um, and I mean, this is a fun challenge for him. And to be honest, I think he's going to benefit from it. We we're just talking to David Schneider about, how the zone shrinks a little bit in AAA and how for patient hitters, it's actually an advantage. Jackson Holiday is a very patient hitter. So like we, we talk about the the outlandish promotions of Ethan Salas. I don't think it's outlandish to send Jackson Holiday up here because it, again, I think double A might actually be harder for him. So I expect Jackson to keep doing what he's doing. I think there's going to be some natural regression that people attribute to AAA because it is Babips off the charts. He's had, there's been a lot of hits where it's just, there's been some seeing eye singles for Jackson. Uh, and then of course, like regardless, you take away the seeing eye singles, he's still hitting 300, but yeah. I think there's going to be some natural regression from that 425 Babip, And people might say, Oh, it's AAA. I think it's just going to be better defense and, you know, just a little bit of natural regression. But this guy, I think, is going to put up just as good of at bats as he was putting up in double A, if not better. Um, I had a take for you before we hit the record button. If he left the Futures game and he came out of the All-Star break and Mike Elias said, hey, you're going to Baltimore. You're starting, you know, let's say he's the starting shortstop in Baltimore. If he had a 65, 70 game sample in the major leagues from, you know, take his double A sample, right? He was in Bowie for 36 games. Add that with the remainder of this year. Do you think he puts up a 90 WRC plus? Yeah, you asked me that one. And 
I think he puts up somewhere around an 80 to a 90 WRC plus because he's going to walk and he's going to put bat on ball. I think he hits for no power, but I think he walks, he puts bat on ball. And I think he, yeah, I think he sneaks a, a 90 WRC plus I do, I think. And which is utterly absurd because I I will never say that about prospects. Like I think I like, it's so hard. We were just talking about how like for guys, you, you have to like temper your expectations. We always get unfair with our expectations on guys. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that he wouldn't hold his own in, in some regard. The, what's crazy is like the number one spot for you on your top 100 was not hard. And, no. and I know that I know that you like looking at it from a unique perspective. And that's like it's not, oh, I want to be edgy. Oh, I want to have somebody that the, that the industry doesn't. It's, you know, like what do I genuinely you think? Are try and differentiate yourself? But yeah. like. It was just so clear cut that this guy was better than everybody else. And yeah. you mentioned the Caminero a lot closer to one than he is yeah. three, but still, dude, like there's a big gap between yeah. Holiday no. and Caminero. No doubt, no doubt, and that's why Caminero had enough room to work with there to separate right. himself from from Chorio and get and get closer to Holiday, but still be so far away uh, in that imaginary scale. It's, it's uh, Katie Ledecky swimming long distance, man. Like she's yeah. just gonna win by a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the last thing I'll say is the number one prospect thing. <clears throat> like Corbin Carroll versus Gunnar Henderson was a hard one, uh, and you, you know, you and I spent a lot of time talking about that. And I think the industry had Gunnar, and we ended up honestly just truly believing it was Corbin couldn't go wrong with either. Uh, but that was one of those instances where it was like, that was really hard because both were performing, both had all these tools, both have so much going for them. You can't really poke a hole in either holiday. was just like, yeah, it was, it was, it was easy. It wasn't hard. Yeah, it was easy. Kyle Teal. Um, I'm, I'm just cannot believe that this guy fell to the Red Sox. It, he gets promoted to double double A now, and and this is going to be a fun test for him. I'm, I'm interested to see how he responds offensively. Uh, you know, I think the offense is still a work in progress, but so far he has been just phenomenal, just absolutely mashing uh, in terms of bat to ball. I want to see you know a little bit more power tapped into, and and I really think that's just putting muscle on. Like it's a high effort swing that he repeats. Yeah. It's amazing how much he repeats his swing with how high effort it is, and. I mean, you, you look at what he's been able to do in professional baseball. It's it's just been a joke so far because the zone contact has been over 90 percent. Uh, the chase rate is extremely low. And if he adds some strength, I think he could turn into one of the best catching prospects in baseball because you can't teach this field to hit. And, and again, to have that field to hit with how much effort is in it, like he swings so hard, his head turns sideways. Like it, it, he is swinging hard and he's talked about it. Like his dad like ta- taught his kids like just swing hard and, and do damage and like he does that, but with control. And I, I look at how it's the athleticism. There was a video that that Chris Clegg put out. I don't know if you yeah. caught this one. And, and it was an unbelievable video of him catching where he picks it and like sidearm basically whips a throw to throw a guy out at second base that was on the move. And that just accentuates the athleticism. Like this is a guy that's going to be able to repeat his moves and have body control that few have. That's why I think he's going to, continue to become a really good catcher defensively and also continue to grow into consistency at the plate and more power and and just continue to get off a swings repetitively. That video by Clegg was, was a great get. And and it also segues me into one point I want to make real quick. Yeah. The embeddable feature on Twitter slash X is great to use when you want to add your own thoughts to a highlight that's posted from an ESPN or a team account or whatever. But if someone's at a ballpark and they get footage firsthand, credit them when you embed it, like put the little, it takes two seconds to put the little video emoji and say, Chris Clegg, like that guy got the video. And because he didn't take the time to put a watermark on it. Now he's getting it embedded and people are just saying, Kyle Teal with the snag and whatever. And no one, all you get, the only credit you get is a little tiny, your name at the top. And no one knows that it was actually your video. I don't want to digress too far from Kyle Teal. I'll bring us back around there. But that embeddable feature is, is borderline heist of, of people's content. Um, So I just wanted to shout that out there because I use the embeddable feature, but I'll always put the video and then the, the, the video emoji and credit to somebody. I mean, guys, guys out there, getting video himself like it's it's not always fun doing that man i love going to the ballpark but it's exhausting shooting things and when you finally get the thing you wanted to shoot for it's like euphoria and then people take it like that stinks 
Right. Somebody picks it up and it's like, look at this. And they're just they're What's the term engagement, like baiting or something, engagement fishing? I yeah, don't know I don't even know. know. It's yeah, but, but it's like, you know, like you get impressions from that and like and now you get paid. Yeah, it's like, so hey, you know, you're gonna still get paid. Like the least you can do is like tip your cap to somebody that, that worked really hard for that. So, yeah, yeah, man, like. I was trying to think of a similar situation um, to what Teal is right now because Pat Bailey did not have this offensive floor coming out of college, and he was a top, you know, ten pick. Um, I, I'm thinking about guys that like natural freak athlete, advanced hitter in college that needed to bulk more to become a major league catcher, and I don't really think there's a good example. No. A guy that is worse than Kyle Teal at this point, who I still think can become a good big leaguer is Dylan Dingler, who is kind of viewed in a similar mm-hmm. light out of Ohio State. Yeah, very similar profile. Yeah. But like later, he was a second round pick in 20, I want to say. So, you know, you're looking at a guy in Dingler who it's like, hey, if he puts on 20 pounds of muscle, he can become a 20 homer threat behind the plate. And he's a freak athlete. Yeah, I think that's kind of how we view Teal, but in a higher light because he was a better hitter in a better conference. In I mean, yeah, we're talking 88% zone contact in college. And then we're talking, you know, so far in a small sample, barely whiffing at all. Uh, Dingler, you know, didn't have that field to hit. A lot of these other catchers didn't have that field to hit. Um, that's what's impressive to me. So if he can, even if he doesn't grow into the power, like so far in pro, we've seen a max of 106, like that's solid. But it, like he'll be a good left-handed hitting catcher with with good tools. But if he can grow into some pop here, I, I think it's going to be real scary. Uh, and the Red yeah. Sox have their catcher of the future. I can feel pretty confident about that. They have their backup. Wong is the catcher of the future. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wong Wong's the guy. Uh, who's the next promotion you want to hit on? Uh, do you want to do Langford to double? Yeah. I mean, dude, let's just stay on the draft trend. It's another guy that like, quote unquote, fell. I don't know how this dude fell where he fell. Um, you, you could have, I thought he was closer to one, one than where he went, you know, like it's, it's unbelievable what, what we've been able to see from, from Langford already. Exit velocity is silly, uh, made his debut in double a in the Texas Rangers organization. That farm system is also silly. Uh, even with the departing of Sajazi and Roby and some of these other guys, I mean, it's just still such a good farm system. He's hitting the crap out of the ball, Jack. But what's amazing to me is this is a dude that, I mean, it, he likes to go pull side. And that was part of like one of the holes that people would poke in his game is like, he kind of looks like he's leaving the ball a little bit with his front side. Um, and that was giving him some, some trouble with breaking balls. It looks like that with him still, but he's not like he's similar to Jackson holiday, holding the back hip really well. Hands work really well. And yeah, when he goes pull side, he's going to hit balls 112 miles an hour. We saw a home run get out in about half a second, but he's been going oppo with authority as well and keeping the bat through the zone and staying inside of baseballs and hitting the ball hard the other way. He has an oppo home run at 108. Uh, he's hit some other balls the other way, extremely hard. I've been absolutely floored with not only the power, we knew that was going to be there, but the field to hit and the approach. Uh, Wyatt Langford's closing the gap on Dylan Cruz. I know it's a small sample size, but it's really hard to deny what he's doing. And uh, both from the polish standpoint and the, the power standpoint, we're seeing both. Yeah, I, I don't do this often, but like Wyatt Langford, the Frisco Rough Riders, who, who is who he just reported to put out like a, you know, welcome to Frisco. Wyatt thing. they snapped some photos of him walking into the clubhouse. And like I was taken aback Holy by his crap. legs for the YouTube crowd. I just I want to zoom in real quick on this guy's legs for the YouTube crowd. Like, dude, like it's not often we talk about dudes actual like physique. I We do actually a good. Well, bit. just in a way of like, like put on put on muscle or whatever, yeah, or like, put on muscle or like, does he have room to put on good weight? Like this guy is already. Have you seen quads like that on very many baseball players? No. He's and, 21 and- years old, man. Like. I don't know. There was something about those legs that I was just like, I, oh my God. Well, remember he was a catcher out of high school. So a guy that's probably always been very lower half driven. And what's, what's funny is you look at the swing and and you ask me like, how is a guy I mentioned holding the back hip and things like that? How is he staying his lower half so well? Cause it's strong as hell. It's built up. And if you look at his swing, how lower half driven it is, how powerful the lower half is. No wonder 
He's producing plus to plus plus exit velocities. And no wonder he can hold his base so well. I mean, that is that is some crazy stuff there. I'm I'm all the way in on Langford. And uh, man, I mean, yeah, th- that's I didn't see that picture. That is that is some tree trunks for legs. It's jarring. It's jarring yeah. how defined those quads are. Uh, another name that I wanted to highlight, I'm trying to remember how recently he was promoted. So he was, wait, am I, am I confused? Did, did Jet Williams get promoted to double yet or no? No, he didn't. I don't think so. Okay. Well, Jet, I want to mention like that was an oversight in the top 100. I want to talk about Jet Williams another episode, but some more promotions to, to hit on that I wanted to get to. Who else do we have on the docket here? Roman Anthony circling back to the Red Sox. Oh, Roman goes yeah. to double with Kyle Teal. Roman Anthony, dude. And I'll let you kind of steer us over the last couple of promotions here. Roman Anthony, another like 19 years old, getting brought up to double A. This is going to be an interesting challenge for him. And I think they just wanted him to get a taste of it before next year, where he'll start the season at double A. Strikeout rates a little bit elevated. I don't I'm not too concerned about the K rate long term because the field of hit is solid. Uh, He's a guy that's very patient. And then I think started to expand a little bit more in double. This is, or excuse me, in high A. Yeah. Now in double, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. I don't know. I, I I think he could have finished the season in Greenville. Like I would have had no problem with that. Like he's he's going to double off a hat trick. I thought this was an interesting and aggressive promotion. I think it's just to get more reps. Um, and again, kind of just get the taste of double before next year. I love Roman Anthony. He's a top twenty prospect in baseball. But yeah, this this was a bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, no, I thought it was a surprise too. But man, with how good he was in high A, I guess why not try it? Um, I also think there could have been some outside factors with Meyer struggling the way he is in double A. It's, hey, why don't we get the guy that's like making mincemeat of high A up to double and, you know, just see who thrives there? Like, I don't know. It's not like you're sending Meyer down. So why not just like mini Project Birmingham? I was about to say, dude. But like, I mean, he was succeeding in high A. Like he was, he earned a promotion to double. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, no, the no, Project no. Birmingham thing, like those guys didn't earn promotions to double A, but Anthony did. Why not just elevate and kind of, you know, like maybe push him to end the year and, and see how that goes. Yeah. And, you know, I think also there's this level of like certain inefficiencies being exposed further. Like he's a 30% K rate guy in high A, but as you mentioned, incredibly productive at a 981 yeah. OPS and he's walking like, a bunch. He he's never going to look at the 30% carry rate like a problem in high A because he's not failing. He's succeeding no. yeah. flying colors. So I think it'll be a good challenge for him. Changeups and sliders have specifically given him issues uh, in yeah. high A. So it, it'll be a good test for him. And, and again, this might be another one of those instances where, I mean, the staff just continues to get better as you get promoted. And there could be some specific guys they wanted him working with in double. Meyer's been hurt. He's on the IL right now anyways. And, and, and may return before the end of the season. I think he should in the next few days, but yeah, he was trying to play through a shoulder thing and um, yeah, I guess they just want him to get some more reps. So I'm here for the Roman Anthony promotion. It's just, this one was probably more surprising than the other ones. That's going to be a really fun team though, with all the talent over there. hundred percent. And that's York, that's Meyer, that's Anthony and that's Kyle Teal there right now. So that's a fun group. Um, real fun. Two call-ups in the AL East, two guys that we did not hit on in the September call-up episode, but Will Gerabreu got up, as did Spencer Horwitz with the Blue Jays. We'll start with a Abreu. Um, I saw a note, by the way. So Willier, but he prefers Wilger. So I was like about to ask you that because you said you yeah. When you say something that sounds weird to me, I assume that you like found out. Um, yeah, so that I makes sense. Will Wilger. I mean, if that's how it should be pronounced, uh, you know. But of course, we Americanize names and. Um, yeah, it's kind of similar like Aram. Like if someone calls me Aram or Ram, like I just say sure. You know, so I think a lot of players end up just saying sure. Uh, but I always appreciate the guy saying, oh, I prefer this and you know, yeah. tell, call them what they prefer to be called. But that said, he's also a dad recently, too. So gets promoted and then gets dad strength as well. That's sick. Acuna gets married and goes 30, 60. There's yeah, something that, that was also not accolades. But yeah, radio voice of the Red Sox, Will Fleming. Public service announcement, Willier Abreu has confirmed once and for all that he does prefer Wilger pronunciation here in the States. So we will go with that. So gotcha. Wilger, he was a 930 OPS in Worcester, man. Like, Yeah, I think we talked about him a little bit. There was a guy that I liked all the way back on the um, 
the when Vasquez. the trade, the Vasquez trade went down. And then I saw him in the fall week. I really liked him there. The swing work like, just works. He walks. He can play all three outfield spots. I, I think this is a piece for them. And he, he does something similar to Jaron Duran. And it, I think they're in a world where they, they want to definitely get Yoshida out of the outfield a little bit. And uh, I, I think Abreu is definitely an option for them as a guy that can play all three spots. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Sneaky, sneaky bag stealer too. We haven't seen him do it at the big league level yet, but he, he's had success consistently through the minor leagues. This was a good get in, in that trade by by Heim Bloom because I was surprised that the the Astros were willing to move off of Abreu. Yep. Uh, Spencer Horwitz, sneaky raking in his first six games in Toronto. This guy hitting 350. He's what, six for 17 with a double and a homer so far. Uh, Spencer Horwitz had a 450 OBP, walked 78 times, punched out 72 times in 107 games. Spencer Horwitz is a big leaguer, man. And it was like, you know, a, a long road. It's been since what, 2019? This guy out of Radford. Like he he was an org guy like David Schneider, but he was not somebody that was factored into the future. And now, I mean, this guy's been good for a long while now. I think every single stop, it's yeah. 800 plus OPS. That This is one of those classic guys where when I'm talking to players, just asking questions like who rakes that I should know about? Just one of the names just comes up a ton. You know, it used to be Vinny Pascantino at the lower levels at Old Dominion. And Horwitz is another name. It's just I, I get the answer so often. Oh man, that guy Spencer Horowitz, like no one, no one gives him the credit. Like he rakes. And it's partly because he's 5'10 with you know, above average power at best at first base. And that's what they tried so hard to put him in left. And it, I don't know if you saw in the World Baseball Classic, it was a little rough. He played for Team Israel and left. Was not great out there. He's still seeing some action out there. I think they're hoping that he can develop into something there. Regardless. He, he's a bat that I think provides some value. And the Blue Jays are finding these guys, David Schneider, Spencer Horwitz. Like, I, I'm applauding them for giving these guys an opportunity because Brandon Bell goes down, Horwitz plugs in. Bell, I think, is it was, was it a one year or two year deal? I think it was a one year deal for Bell. It, it had to be a one year deal. It had to be a one year deal. But it was one year deal, one year 9.3. So okay. I, I think you look at Horwitz right now. Bell's had an awesome month, by the way. But I think you could say, hey, Horwitz can be our branded belt next year. Play first yep. base when we want Vladdy at DH. Uh, when we want to go left-handed heavy, you know, he can he can DH as well. Uh, get him in the lineup. That left-handed bat off the bench, kind of this like half starter, half bench guy that I think has become a very important role in, in Major League Baseball now. I think Horwitz is really earning that. And through three games so far, it's really two games and one pinch hit appearance, four hits, a home run. And I, I love the swing. He's fun to watch. Are you so you sound like you're bought in on Spencer? Horowitz. I'm bought in. Yeah, yeah, I'm really bought in. Um, I there was something about that Buffalo lineup, man. Like, I don't know, Barger. I was I don't want to say disappointed with Addison Barger, but I was just banged kind of up. Yeah, but I was expecting more. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt with a banged up season. Yeah, but Aravis Martinez like showed off some freak athleticism, and then there were a bunch of other like kind of organizational type guys in there. Like Cameron Eden is you know like seven ten OPS right now, seven twenty OPS, but he's forty eight for fifty two in the stolen base department. Like that's a guy that can be a, a fourth outfielder and pinch runner for them moving forward. Like there are enough guys in that blue Jays system that don't have really any prospect intrigue, but can help the Toronto blue Jays in the major league level. And that's not good for organizations that are in a rebuild. That is good for an organization like the Toronto blue Jays who have 9 million people tuning into every single game on a nightly basis and we'll have the money to spend big in free agency. hundred percent. And I just, I love seeing guys like Horwood succeed like a Troy Johnson with the Marlins, very similar profile. I hope he gets a chance uh, with the fish soon. Cause that's another guy that I think could really help them. That'll do it. We'll talk about your, your takeaways in the next episode. I want to hear your thoughts on Orelvis and stuff like that uh, from, from what you saw, because uh, yeah. that's a guy that's just captivated me. So we'll talk about, I think on the next episode, We'll do a little bit on like the biggest surprises of the season prospect wise. And then we can dive into a little bit on like a Relvis and uh, what you saw there, but in a pitching heat sheet and a pitching heat sheet, of course, check out tomorrow, the episode with Tigers prospect, justice Bigby. Awesome dude. Uh, awesome story. And just a masher uh, that I think is going to be quite a big part in their future and potentially be a piece for them as soon as next year. 
That'll do it for this episode. Check out the links in the episode description. Buy your Just Baseball merch. If you want to support us, we really appreciate that. Check out Alt. That link is in the episode description for all of your sports card needs. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.